I believe in two things, discipline and the Bible. Here you'll receive both. Put your trust in the Lord. Your ass belongs to me. Welcome to Shawshank. Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on core temp arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Welcome back to another episode of Podstalgic. This is Peter, and this is also a podcast where we take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old. And uh, on this episode, we are doing the 25th anniversary coverage of The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, joining me as always, Mariano. And we have a special guest today. Woohoo! <laughs> yes, Woohoo is here. Uh, woohoo. woohoo is here indeed. Uh, it is Allegra. Uh, it's Allegra. <laughs> yeah, from uh, the History of Color and TV in My Brain. Hi. Hi, yes. Uh, the last time I think you were on the episode of uh, Always Be My Maybe, that might have been the last time you were here, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, is that the last time, Allegra? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. It's I been think a so. It's been I a feel few like I've f- heard from you before, before since then. Well, you and times. I talk every day, Mariano. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Good. Maybe that's what your mistake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Completely mistaken there. Um, but yeah, you've been on a number of times. As a matter of fact, I, I believe ever since uh, Mariano came on uh, as co-host, um, you know, I think on the last episode we talked a little bit. Well, we we brought up uh, butterfly effect because time cop was time traveling, so that that came up um, at one point. But uh, you're back here again. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Andy Dufresne and and company here. Um, so what we'd like to do on the show is go back to the weekend this movie's release. Uh, Mariano, on the last episode, we talked about how uh, I'll Make Love to You by Boyce Menon is number one for like four months. I think right. I said three on the episode. It's actually about four months. And so um, I think what we should do is we're going to bring up that that's the number one song, but the number one or the number two song at the time of this movie's release is Stay by Lisa Loeb. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Allegra, that's one of your favorites, right? Uh, sure. If you mean by favorite, <laughs> it's a song that I'd like to stab my ears out when I hear it, then okay, yeah. So I won't sing my, my rendition of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. The 90s. That's not, that's not one of Allegra's favorite songs. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, it, I'm, it's, I'm uh, indifferent to it. It's okay. Reality I, Bites. I, yeah, Reality Bites. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to give that a, a no, dog. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, well, what do you, what do you, like, Allegra, what do you think about I'll Make Love to You? I'm, yeah, let's just keep it moving. Okay. All right. <laughs> keep it moving. All so right. last time, okay, the one thing, the one thing for sure that we discussed last time is that Peter had no business singing that song. That's, we're going to leave it at that. <gasps> what? I missed Peter singing? Uh, no, no, I'm saying no, when he no. was at his, at the age when the song came out. Oh, Aww. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, right, he right, had, right. No, yeah, he had no business at 11. <laughs> no on, business on, singing it when it came out. On, on exactly. bended knee or making love to nobody? Come on. <laughs> be, go, it was go to school. One of the Study first two books. albums I've ever owned. That's, that's how it came up. That's super cute. I now I'm picturing you singing "I Make Love to You" at 11 years old. I, I think I was jamming more to it, but I do remember at a um, uh, a party my parents had thrown, and you know, like all the kids are hanging out in my room. Uh, I remember this this kid who's like a couple, maybe a few years younger than me, that knew the lyrics, and apparently he would watch his older brother sing the song because he he had like the moves down and he had the words memorized it was actually pretty cool that's super cute <laughs> yeah and i think you know the fact that he didn't know what it was uh, like what he was actually saying i think that's what kind of made it kind of kind of innocent you know yeah oh yeah definitely i think that's a i mean i that song is fairly like pg-ish you know somewhat g-ish but uh, voice to men are a little PG-ish, I think. That, okay. Yep. They, yeah. they, they've never been freaky diggy, right? I mean, they're they're no. No, they're not Bobby Brown. They they're not. Uh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Jodeci. They're no Jodeci. No. Right. Exactly. And then I said when Mariana was telling me about uh, you having no business singing that song at 11 years old, I was like, well, think about what we were singing at like <laughs> 11 and 12. We were singing like "Darling Nikki" by Prince. Oh yeah. 
point. which is oh, yeah. not a PG song <laughs> at all. Or even, uh, you know, some Billie Jean, you know, something, something like that. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, some of the other movies that came out the very same weekend, um, the only one, It Runs in the Family. I don't know if that's the same thing I'm thinking of. I mean, that sounds, um, I might be mixing it up with All in the Family, really. But Terminal Velocity is really the only other one that I recognize. I think I saw that. I feel like I know of Terminal Velocity. Is that the cars coming in life, or am I thinking of another one? I think that I think you're thinking of another one. This one is actually um, uh, Charlie Sheen. Yes, isn't it like racing or something? Or it it might be a plane involved. Oh, jeez. I I'm kind of mixing it up with Drop Zone with Wesley Snipes. Now I feel like those kind (laughs) of came around came out around the same time. Perhaps I'm not sure, but um, it's one that I kind of recall. Seeing on either USA or HBO, you know, it's just one of those movies. Sure, that makes it sounds sense. like an up all night movie. It could, it could be, it could be in, in that range. But now I'm also mixing Terminal Velocity up with the uh, with Chasers, which is also is it Chasers or the Chase? It might be the Chase, the, the chase, chase with Charlie chase. Sheen. But see, that's what I thought of when you said Terminal Velocity. I mean, when you said it was Charlie Sheen. So right. now I'm confused. Was now it, I'm really confused. Wasn't Terminal Velocity? Didn't that have freaking um? What's his name? The lead singer of the Rolling Stones. Yikes, I don't know. No, that was Free Jack oh, with his Christ. brother Emilio Estevez. Now, isn't that a time traveling movie? Yes, it is, sir. I, I, I think I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> All right. Wow, we're just going to butcher these movies. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> like, Natasha don't, don't you guys review in Terminal Velocity? Natasha. I know, you'd think we'd know a little bit better. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I know she was in Species. Yeah, wait, I remember. Her wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. no, no. You're thinking of Natasha Hestridge. <laughs> <Hestridge. laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, let's Big talk difference. about Shawshank. Let's talk about Shawshank. Okay, let's, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Maybe something that we do know about. A couple of things that I know about about this movie. It was uh, written and uh, directed by Frank Darabont. Uh, this is based on Stephen King's Rita Hayworth and the uh, and Shawshank Redemption. Uh, it stars Tim Robbins as uh, Andy Dufresne, as I mentioned earlier. Morgan Freeman is his buddy Red. Uh, William Sadler is one of the, um, I, I don't recall his name, but he's one of my favorite character actors. He was also like in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey playing the Grim Reaper. Uh, he was also in like Hard to Kill with Steven Seagal. But anyway, it's a, it's a great cast. Uh, you have uh, Clancy Brown as mm-hmm. like the captain of the prison guards. Uh, he play, he plays Captain Hadley. And I, I think we got to give a shout out to... Um, Bob Gunton, who plays uh, Warden Warden Norton, yeah, yeah, the the Warden, right? The he is probably the best thing in this movie. Hmm. Okay. Um. I I think he's really good in this movie. I agree. I don't know if he's the best thing. Best. Actor. I don't know. Man. There's so many. There's best so many character. good things best going character? on. The character or best acted character. I don't know. He he's got a lot of great stealing scenes. Um. You know, like he the, does. You know, when he uh, uh, welcomes like the new the new people, including Andy Dufresne. You know, th- that whole speech was good. And any when he's a hard ass, he he's he's really good. But I guess maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe my mind will change. Um, but the gist of this movie, uh, basically, Andy Dufresne was wrongly uh, imprisoned for the murder of his wife. It's, I don't know if she's estranged, but uh, his wife and her lover. And he befriends uh, Morgan Freeman, who's Red, a guy who can get almost anything uh, smuggled into the prison, you know, for a little compensation. And Andy Dufresne spends, you know, a couple decades there basically trying to escape. I think that's about it. Yep. That's in a nutshell. That sums it up. Okay. So let's just start with, like, what is your guys' earliest um, uh, memory of this movie? So... I'm not, I didn't go to the theater and see this movie, but I'm pretty sure that I saw it fairly soon after, meaning like within the, you know, a couple of years after the release of the film. And I instantly loved it. Um, I did not know the actor that played the warden before this movie. And you know how when you see an actor for the first time who leaves an impression, that's how you remember that actor going forward, even if you see him in different things. So I always had this memory of the actor who played the warden just, you know, at the end shooting himself because that was 
that was his only recourse in his mind, right? Mm. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so, yeah, when you mentioned just a few minutes ago, Peter, that you thought he was the kind of standout character, it was it was a little bit of a shock for me to hear just because Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. But when you think about it, that character does have a meteor that he's a meteor character but yeah so whenever i think of shawshank redemption um that that character stands out and of course andy dufresne right because um he is the type of person that i tend to like um find interest in those people who are kind of quiet and methodical and very like even keeled even tempered you know so that was kind of like uh, those two characters were kind of my f- uh, first impression and the thing that kind of makes me remember uh, Shawshank Redemption the most is those two characters. Yeah, I uh, I didn't see it in the theater also, but I, I do recall, like I used to watch Siskel and Ebert at the movies and every week for a long time just to kind of gather what's new, what, you know, the bigger happening movies or whatever. And I know this is one of them. And I, if I remember correctly, they spoke highly of it. So I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And then just forgot about it and i think when it came out on on uh on video tape you know went to the local blockbuster shout out to blockbuster and um watched it and i thought holy crap this movie is fantastic it 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 became one of my favorites like right away you know so i do recall that and and i think everybody kind of not everybody for the most part most most characters acted their asses off um you know, and I guess it's hard because, you know, Tim Robinson feels a good actor, too. And you're right. He played that really, like, kind of quiet but always thinking person, you know. And even when you when you see his, like, reaction to the warden not helping him out when he had possible proof that he was innocent. And just the, the turn on his face, that was pretty dope. Same thing for the warden, the look on his face, like, basically going, you're not getting out of this. You know, you're not getting out of here. Um, you know, and then even uh, like uh, Morgan Freeman, is this like the first time he narrates anything? And then he narrated every single thing <laughs> ever, ever since then, right? He narrates our lives, basically. Right. He I, think, I, th- I think that was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll even shout out to my boy Brooks, played by James Whitmore. I mean, mm-hmm. the one of the most heartbreaking scenes mm-hmm. was him getting out of prison. Right. And subsequently what happened after that. And, and I felt like his face carried all the emotions of what that would be like, you know, or, or how they're, they're portraying what happened to Brooks. So, like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I can't say good enough stuff about this film. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm on on board with everything you guys said. Uh, I didn't watch this in the theater uh, either uh, because, I mean, this this is rated R, 1994, I'm 11. <laughs> you know, so I'm, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to watch this for a few years. And I, I don't think I watched it until I started working at Blockbuster. And, and that's uh, that spanned it from 1999 to 2002, I believe it was. And um, I do remember watching this before. For Green Mile, and I believe Green Mile was 1999. So it might have been like towards the end of the millennium there when when I did finally watch this. And Mariano, just like you, this was an instant favorite uh, of mine uh, as soon as I watched it. Uh, it was definitely one of the more mature movies, you know, I, I had seen up at that point. I mean, I think uh, the knock on me, if you want to say that, uh, you know, for for nostalgic is like. You know, I, I love rom-coms and family movies, but, you know, I, I don't do enough of movies like this, right? Shawshank Redemption. Um, and, and, you know, I don't oppose to these type of movies. It's just, you know, we try to look for, like, the uh, uh, a fun movie to do uh, during their anniversaries. And this wasn't one that I didn't think Phoenix was ready for early on either. So that's the other thing. This movie clocks in at 2.15. And for me, I think the writing is so good that that, that 2.15 flies by. Yep. I completely it, agree with that. Where, like, where you think the film may end, or maybe, uh, maybe a lesser film would end, you still have another twenty-five minutes, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I was surprised how long that Morgan Freeman uh, saga yeah. was at the end of the movie. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. We're really following this man. <laughs> right. No, for real. Yeah. And I and I actually loved um, that too because we are seeing this kind of repeated. Uh, existence we see it first in brooksy and then we it's suspenseful because you're thinking oh shit is you know red gonna go the same way that brooksy went you know so even though we saw repetition it was kind of like and we saw like 
you kind of sort of know what's going to happen. Or maybe I just know because I've seen this movie a billion times. But um, the fact that there's still that little bit of, but he could actually take his own life. Like he did have that doubt. And especially if it wasn't for Andy giving him like a task, you know, we don't know where Red might have ended up. Yeah, the, the 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 scene with Red at the end, you're right, is beat for beat what happened to Brooks. Of course, with a different change. The only difference is some hope. And this is the whole thing that Andy Dufresne was telling was a hope. Mm-hmm. Don't don't let go of that. And he gave him some. And I mean, shit. I mean, Morgan Freeman. I mean, damn, this dude's a good actor, right? I mean, yeah. more than good. I should say he's better than good, right? He's I. He's um, cool. Like I like the guy. Even when when he opened the letter. Like, I love that he looked over the wall like somebody's like, just make sure nobody's watching, especially when he pulled out the 50s, you know, like the water 50s. I just thought that was so good. I'm not going to get jacked up on looking around. I know, right? He exactly. is really good. He is good. And like um, Morgan Freeman, see, this is where like, I'm not backpedaling to what I'm saying about the warden because I think the warden gives us the most range um because everybody else they're they're convicted felons right uh Andrew Dufresne from what we get gather is the only innocent one of the bunch right so so I- anything that they give us you know is going to be uh reactionary to what else is going on usually to other characters like the warden like when Andy Dufresne like uh you know flips flips his wig it's reactionary to the warden you know, like the whole obtuse line, like, oh my God, that scene was so good. It's so intense. Um, th- this movie, like the reason I love it, uh, this, uh, again, this is like one of my favorites. Uh, I've never done a top 10 list and I've always been reluctant to do one because I feel like I've seen so many movies and I love so many movies all in different ways. I feel if I had different categories, I can categorize them a little bit better. Like this would be in my top 10 dramas. You know what I mean? Like just a top 10 list. I can't do that because I, I love so many different comedies, so many different dramas, so many different guilty pleasures, you know, things of that nature. Um, it would be difficult. But I think on any list, it's always going to be Back to the Future, right? My favorite time traveling, Back to the Future. Favorite comedy, <laughs> favorite family movie, favorite drama. Um, that's always going to be at the your top. Favorite, your favorite drag racing movie, Back to the yeah, Future. Th- there you go. There you go. You got it. Favorite, favorite uh, dog movie? <laughs> right, that you got Einstein in there too. Uh, fair your favorite science. scientist, your favorite sci- scientist, sci- based sci- movie. sci-fi movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you anyway, know what? Yeah, to, your uh, favorite to cut uh, you- period period movie. Time back to the future. There you go. Yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. to cut you off, um, Peter. Mariano. But, um, <laughs> Mariano, you too. Um, I uh, agree with you, though. I think it's very difficult to try and narrow things down into one category and try to make it a top 10 within that. I think that um, especially if you're big into movies and watching movies, it's hard to narrow things down. So I'm with you. Like Shawshank Redemption is definitely top 10, maybe top five, you know, but in a drama setting. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I, um, uh, th- there's so many things to love. I think this is so well acted. Uh, I think Frank Darabont, uh, somebody who I really admire, like when he did the first season of Walking Dead, I loved it so yep. much. And then w- once they got rid of him, I go, man, like totally it changed and it kind of, it literally went downhill from there. Literally. Um, especially when what, Gimple came on. Kimble, yeah. Kimble. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Frank Darabont, like, uh, if it continued to be in his hands, I wonder what Walking Dead could have been. Um, but yeah, re- rewatching this, knowing what I knew, I was looking for all those little touches. Uh, what Frank Darabont does really well in this movie uh, during the course of Andy's um, imprisonment at, at Shawshank, we just with little subtle details, we get to see roughly how much time has passed. Right from the yes. the different posters on the wall that Andy Dufresne uh, asks Red to order, um, uh, uh, Brooksy, uh, Allegra, you mentioned him. What about his little bird, Jake? You know, we see him as an infant when uh, Brooksy feeds him like the, the the little maggot, and then like the next time we see him is in the library, a full grown crow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you see like aging, a little bit of aging, you know, Morgan Freeman's red character gets grayer, you know, subtly grayer. So does Andy Dufresne, you know. Andy um, gets reading glasses. Yep. Just a little bit. I, uh, that's a great point. There is very distinct but subtle uh, passage of time. And I like that as well. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, when we get introduced to to Tommy, the way he's dressed immediately says fifties, right? Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. I, there, there's a. Um, I really enjoy. Okay, here's so many things, right? So you have you're saying that we're saying we're saying the acting, and then directing, of course. But the musical beats, the music, the sound, the score on this film is so good. Um, the the just the time, right? The use of usage of usage of time, and one of the I think one of the biggest things I got out of this watch, you know, I've seen this movie so many times, is almost like the psychological breakdown of these men in this particular yeah. situation. You know, like the 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 reaction, like you're saying, the reactionary, true, but how did they react to violence? How did they react to trauma? How did they react to being in prison in this in this? in this institution and even their conversation one of my favorite conversations is red bringing up institutionalized like these walls do things to you and and you know people are like some are like ah you're, you're tripping that's not what happened to you know brooksy or whatever and he's like basically breaking it down 50 years in here he doesn't want to get out you know and and here's why and so it's like a really great study of hu- humanity or, or it's a study of humanity basically and and what it what it does to you to be in cage like that and 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 again hope is the only thing that dufresne kind of you know, Andy tries to hold on to, and Red's like, "You can't do that. That'll devastate you if you do that." But that's the one thing he needed. Otherwise, he would end up like Brooks. So that was like a very like the character studied, phenomenal. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. Another um thing to to piggyback on that Mariano is how prison can create crooks or criminals or whatever because. Andy was like, you know, I came in here, you know, uh, innocent man and, and leaving pretty much a crook, you know, and I, uh, and I love how that little saying, that little phrase or exchange between he and Red was saying so much about how the prison system works, how, you know, um, institutionalized, um, like incarceration and how there was this kind of, uh, introduction into using prison labor as um, to to benefit like companies and organizations and certain projects that were happening in the city is very interesting. Yeah, so you know, I, I would I would say that that's another thing too. Like, and it's and again, I, I feel like in any good film, you know, like some of my favorite movies, you know, if I, I even if I watch them the same years, right, and and see them, I've seen them multiple times. You always catch. That one or two things you're like, oh crap! I didn't, I didn't see that before. You know, just yeah. because there's so much, especially again, if the writing is done so well that that they they add the small touches here and there, and you start catching those. You know, and I'm sure Peter, like if for instance, you know, every time you watch Back to the Future, there's something, a little something that you may catch here and there, from a different angle, almost. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like, oh wait, I didn't catch that before, and that that's the beauty of film, it's the beauty of cinema when it when it's done so well. You know, when you have almost like a from from the casting to to the writing, you know, again to to the music to the costuming, all those things, it's just phenomenal work and and the little touches, you know, like you know, one of the most popular, I think, really uh, the great great scenes in this film is is the the roof work, right? They're tarring the roof, and, and you see Andy Dufresne, like how smart is this guy? Like we're gonna we're gonna have a good idea that he's a smart dude, but man, right here he really knows how to. He can play people if you really wanted to. He could really be a criminal mastermind, but he's not. That's not how he's wound. But he's learning how to, like I said, learning how to be a crook in prison. You know, so it's uh, yeah, that was pretty. I can't say enough. To mention to to just quickly mention, I feel like Andy was constantly thinking. You Always, know, like yeah. his brain was constantly turning. So you could see it on his face at times you know the, and and when they do the thing of going back to what how Andy's plan of escape played out every time they shot they you know pan to his face it was kind of like his wheels were constantly turning you know mm. what i mean and he every single thing that he did was calculated even if it was you know i don't think he was calculating being friends with red but i do think that all the interactions or at least a lot of the interactions whether intentional or unintentional were a way of andy kind of teaching a lesson and kind of guiding to the point of his escape to a certain extent mm-hmm. you know so it i'm Again, very fascinated with that 
uh, character because of how methodical and kind, like constantly planning and thinking he is or was. Yeah, I think the supporting characters, they weren't used just enough to like, I don't think anybody really stole any scenes where I felt like, oh, I need this this uh, character a little bit more. Um, the, the crazy thing is, like, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier how well paced I felt this movie was. Uh, Mariano, I, I texted you, I think, uh, one afternoon or one morning. I was just like, dude, I totally tried or I had planned to watch like the first third of the movie last night. I ended up watching the whole thing, <laughs> you know, right, it was yeah. just that good. And every time it, t- uh, it it went on a break, commercial break, I was like, you know, they they kind of stopped at a good spot. Let me just watch a little bit more. <laughs> and like, <laughs> so it was never a good enough spot for me to actually stop. I'm like, okay, I'm I feel good uh, right here, and I'll resume tomorrow. Um, and then not only that, I watched it a second time before this recording. I just watched it again last night. Because it's not a super action-packed film. It's actually a very quiet kind of um, contemplative, you know, film. But it still captivates captivates the viewer, at least me, because of the fact that the way that the story is unfolding is told so elegantly and, and with such kind of like tenderness in a way that it keeps you kind of like wanting more because, you know, you're it. Like you were saying earlier, Mariano, it's a character study, you know, so that's what keeps it going. So suffice it to say, this is a film that definitely held up 25 years later for me. Like I could not nitpick anything. Like there was nothing in the film that I was like, what? You know? Yeah. I mean, this taking place at a, uh, a different time makes this a timeless classic. So it doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel 1994 to us. You know, it started in 1947. Um, yeah, I, I just love the, maybe not the evolution, but how we see the progression of every single character, uh, when Andy Dufresne and comp- or his group, his crew, his cycle show up, you know, you see, um, uh, Red and, and the friends, they're taking bets who's going to crack on the first night. And then it happens to be this, uh, uh, man who's a little, a little bit heavy on the heavy side. And then uh, he, he's crying, and then like the William Sadler—that's what I'm going to call him because I don't remember his character name. Um, he's all like, "Dude, shut up, shut up! You're going to get your ass beat, basically." And once uh, Captain Hadley came and pulled the guy out, started wailing. Like you know, everyone's all quiet, uh, and you know they knew it was coming, right? They they knew the guards will come, and they look away because they've seen this one too many times, right? Right. Um. I saw, I love the kind of subtle look of, oh, I think I went too far for Haywood, which is uh, William Sadler's character. Um, when he was the one kind of goading, once that the dude started oh, breaking right. down, he was like goading him a little bit more. But then when he got his ass beat down, he, they pan back to Haywood and he's kind of like, ah, I think I just went too far. Like he had this look like, ah, shit, you know, and yeah. he was even muttering like, quiet down, quiet, you know. Um, so I thought that was interesting too. Uh, the other thing is in the next the next day or or maybe the next time we have a scene in the in the cafeteria where where Andy asks what was the name of the and horse Haywood, right? yeah right yeah and Haywood's like who cares what his name was he's dead now or basically almost like a again just the reaction that the men have in this violent ass fucking situation like what what is the reactions like it's the same kind of thing where the young uh, and I can't remember his character's name but the Tommy. young man who Tommy yeah, yeah when he learns how to how to how to study read and all these things and then he takes a test and he, like even at the end of the test he gets so pissed off he balls it up throws it in the garbage he yells he says fuck everything you know and it's like that why you know why is that the reaction you know uh but, but that's kind of like again the, like or like you're saying it's like violence from the get-go from the guards on down you know the, the the guards the guards beat the fuck out of like the the prisoners right they control everything and then you have boggs being violent and raping you know with his crew you know, um, Andy Dufresne. And then you have kind of the reversal where they put Andy in like the infirmary for, for a long time. And he gets basically beaten to like the inch of his life by the guards, you know? So there's this like cycle of violence. That's tremendous, like the tremendous amount of trauma and, and they have to deal with it. And then Andy's in there for 19 years, but then red's in there for 30. Right. Yep. I think he's four. 
wasn't it 40 years by the it was 40 time i'm sorry 40 years. yeah no it, it was, was 40. 40 years by the probably time was 40, 40 right by the time he years. actually got approved i mean right. let's, let's talk about that real quick um red has to go before the parole board three times and you see like the you know like each time you know he's just less and less optimistic enthused. Huh? yeah less yeah. optimistic less enthused each time he goes in the very first time you feel really genuine for him and to no fault of his own well, maybe because he's black. They they say, nope, you know, denied. The second time, like, it, it, I think you just see, like, the change in their clothing, but it's all men uh, still. And then, like, the third time, they have, like, one woman that's part of the board. Right, right, right. 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 Um, that was interesting to, to me, too, because once we get to the final uh, board review before Red is released, it, Red kind of had this fuck it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Are you able to tell you? I don't Attitude. give a shit. <laughs> you're like, exactly. Oh, you're, right, you're approved. <laughs> but within his whole little like monologue, he was basically, uh, I think, if I were the review board, that was the most sincere and may, and it and it kind of seems like okay, this is what we were looking for was sincerity. Were you truly? Uh, regretful or remorseful for what you did? Do you truly feel like some sort of change happened? And so Red, in his very direct and kind of I don't give a shit way, was kind of like, listen, if I could go back and tell 18, 19, however old he was when he first got to the prison, if I could tell my young self not to do this shit, I would. But um, unfortunately, we can't time travel. So <laughs> yeah, this is the wrong movie. You have to go to time cop to time travel. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Wrong movie. <laughs> you got to go back to listen uh, last week's uh, Postagic episode. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. If there were a Jean-Claude in the, you know, mix, maybe, but, um, Oh, Jean-Claude Van Damme would have kicked his way out of that prison. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he would. So while doing the splits this, at some point. Right. Like multiple splits in his underwear. <laughs> and a random like dancing or whatever because for whatever reason they always have to have him dance although they didn't have him dance in time cop no he didn't, no, they didn't. anyway so um yeah the idea that red in his most sincere was also his most blunt kind of like i don't give a fuck anymore and that was the thing that kind of sent him home basically based you know, it was like, all right, this is you being for real now. Like, instead of this little hat in hand, like, no, sir, I am, you know, completely ready for society. You know what I mean? I really love that. That parole board uh, head guy was like, see, that's a real one. Approved. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a real one. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we can go somewhere else after that, but we're not. Um <laughs> Yeah, what I really like is, uh, you know, we keep talking about the details and how this is written. You know, I was looking for those, uh, these last two watches. Uh, I, I had a different, I don't know if you want to call it perception or insight um, to one thing in particular. Uh, there's a there's a point where they're kind of doing like these uh, random checks in everyone's uh, uh, cells. And Andy, he's holding the Bible. And for those that have seen, seen it a number of times, we're like, oh, that's where he's got his little pick or whatever. For me... This time around, I, I I I thought of it more like a chess match. It it wasn't like I'm holding on to this because I'm hiding this. I'm holding this in plain sight because it's the Bible. Why would they check this? You know what I mean? Like I think mm. he was like one step ahead of them at this point, rather than being a little paranoid and holding on to it. He didn't try to hide that Bible. He could have, you know, he could have been holding it and putting it behind his back, but instead he held it in front of him and then recited back back and forth a scripture with the warden. So in my mind, I'm like, hey, uh, Andy's so good. You know, like, uh, like you kept on saying his wheels is turning, like, continuing to turn. Like, I think he's always thinking one step ahead. He was kind of taking the measure of the warden at that point, too. Kind of they seeing were sizing just each other how- up exactly just mm-hmm. trying to see just how far just what the warden knows what how far can he go with this guy what is his his deal so he was definitely taking the measure of him and and the perfect distraction is to then start quoting bible scripture because you know that warden is full of himself you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah. and he feels like he is smarter than the average bear there because he's the warden and now he has uh an equal um rival essentially you know equal rival only in the amount of power that Andy doesn't have but Absolutely. definitely not equal when it comes to to Absolutely. intellectual stature and yep. it was to that to that thought Andy's always thinking and you're right 
you know, because even Red says, oh, you know, the ward, that whole thing was a, was basically a smokescreen for the warden to come in and size up Andy. That's but right. you're right, Peter. Like, he's sizing up the warden also. Um, and the only time, again, that he, that, because even, even when, when uh, Andy, like, locked the doors and played the music, he knew what he was doing. He knew oh, yeah. what was going to happen. He was in control <laughs> of that situation. The only time that he really, truly lost it was when the warden basically said, fuck you, we're not going to look at your case, even if we have a chance of you being innocent, because I need you here to make me fucking money. Right. You yeah. know, and that's when he lost it. You know what I mean? That's when he, the only time that he, I feel like all thoughts left him and he was just react, reacting to what just happened to him because he, he's realized this could be my fucking freedom. And so that, I don't know if that may have just escalated his plan or what, you know, like, but I, I don't know that that's the only thing we don't know is at that point, how far along was the plan? And, and once he got out of uh, solitary for fucking two, two months, basically, w- out of the hole, how did they escalate that plan that he had already? I wonder, too, um, at what state was Andy's mind when he finds out that, you know, Tommy, Tommy was killed? Is that his name? Tommy, Tommy, yeah, Tommy. or Johnny? Mm-hmm. Tommy. Okay. Um, at what state was Andy Dufresne's, Dufresne, Andy Dufresne's mind when he finds out about Tommy? Because I'm sure he knew that the fucking warden was responsible for that little boy's death. Oh, yeah. You know what I He's mean? He's no idiot. Yeah. Absolutely. So I wonder what, I just, I don't need to see it, but just, you know, analyzing the film, I wonder what Andy was thinking at the time. You know, was he at this kind of fuck you state or was he just being like, all right, this is another reason for me to stay the course, be super focused and get the fuck up out of here, right? Yeah, it, it could have been um, something where he had already been planning to escape and perhaps, you know, being in solitaire for two months, that could have been more motivation. Like, not only am I going to escape now, I'm going to rob you blind. Right. You know what I mean? That's a Be- good point. Yeah, because, um, you know, it, it's late when he returns, the warden is like, oh, you know, glad to have you back, Andy, and things could be go back to normal, you know, and I'm sure in his mind, he go, oh, yeah, sure, you just keep thinking that. I, I think that's what it was. Two months, I mean, I can't even imagine uh, the thoughts that was running through um, Andy's mind, you know, even Red at one point says, like, that's the longest he's at, he's even heard of, I think. Right. It's incredible. And we all know now, you know, how um, damaging, just how damaging putting um, people in solitary confinement can be. Um, So, you know, it's interesting to me. And, you know, Mariana and I were talking, you know, as we were watching the film and and you brought up earlier, Mariano, about the violence and the cycle of violence and masculinity and how, you know, that that violence plays into that all that kind of stuff but the other thing is um like how much strength you have to have to not let that shit drive you crazy because any person can lose it and justifiably so you know so it's very interesting you know that andy kept it quote unquote kept it together through all the things he went through i mean he was getting raped for two years you know two to three years so it's kind of like oh man (laughs) i don't know if i could be that that strong andy dufresne is such a strong character i mean uh you know this guy's got determination he's got will and he's got patience i mean he's got the most patience right he's actually i don't know i I don't think he was playing it out you know obviously getting raped and just allowing it to happen but how do you get into the good graces of these guards, right? He had to work up to it. You know, there was no way no anybody was going to be helping him out. Um, he had to kind of work to get that respect. And um, I, I like to talk about, like, you know, the, the, the masculinity of, of, the, of these guards and the violence and, and things like that. You know, Mariano, earlier you touched on the, the roof scene, and I was thinking how calculated... Uh, Andy was with the choice of words that he used. You know, first he's like, "You trust your wife," and all these. Things. He's trying to see how far he can get uh, with using some of these words, and then the bartering, like, "Okay, well, you do this, um, or I'll do this for you if you can give me and my coworkers some beer, because I'm sure you'd understand. You know, we we just want to feel like men just drinking some beer on on the roof. You know, after a hard day's work. So he's talking their language, and he does that with everybody. Absolutely. I don't know, man. This movie, whew, 
Uh, there were some things that I had forgotten because it's been years since I've seen it, even though I've seen it multiple times. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like it was watching it for the first time. It's kind of like I had feelings. I knew something was going to happen um, when when the, uh, the warden's about to kill Tommy, like instinctually, I knew it yeah. was going to happen. But I also had forgotten, you know, like I I remember when Tommy gets on the scene and I'm just kind of like, but I feel like some shit pops off with Tommy and I didn't quite remember what. And then when we see the warden, I'm like, ah, shit, this is this is not going to be good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just a little glance he gives Hadley up in the tower, you know, and Tommy turns. Um, that, that's the other thing. Like, you know, you, you felt a little camaraderie with the guys that Andy Dufresne befriends to bring a character like Tommy, like the second half of the movie or the last third of it. Uh, you're just like, okay, well, how how are we going to like this guy? You, you know, he he's brand new and we know how it is to be like the, the new guy. Um, and, you know, and Tommy, it's not his his perspective um, that we're seeing it from, right? Like like we did Andy early on. So instead, we're like, okay, well, let's give let's give him some deficiencies where Andy can take him under his wing. Let's talk about like you know a wife. Let's let's give him a kid. So we feel that weight when he does get shot, and not only that, well, damn, he just found out that he passed you know was um, seventy something percentile uh, to to get his diploma and all of that. Hmm. Do you think that the movie? I feel like most of the movie was. Red's story in a way or his like his and his perspective I think so yeah I I think this is Andy's story but this is Red's movie if if that makes sense yeah you know because uh, like I'm, I'm thinking back to like the early narration before Andy shows up Red's talking to us like, hey, mm-hmm. I remember when Andy first showed up, you know, this is the year, this is what was going on. And so he's re- recollecting his time at Shawshank, you know, probably after Andy died, probably. Right. You know, right. he's just, um, yeah, in a way, it's kind of like the uh, Andy's eulogy, probably, you know, he's just telling the story. I could see that. Yeah. A character like Tommy in the third, you're right, it's the third act, basically, won't necessarily fly in every, in any any movie, you know, they they did. They did a good job with um, montages, basically. Yeah. You know, they used them, like, really well to tell us the passage of time. And also, again, with, with Tommy, like, what what he meant when he came in, how people, like, re- received him, and then how, oh, they liked this kid, you know, and he was young and, and all these things. And, and even when in the library, when he's asking for help, and Andy's basically going, don't bullshit. Come in here and do the work. Right. You know what I mean? And all that. So that was pretty, pretty cool. And also, even... The montage of uh, the passage of time with Andy writing a letter a week to to the yeah. to the state. <laughs> yeah, to get the library. And then the library expanding after he writes two letters a week to get even more. And they're like, "Oh my god, let's give this guy whatever the hell he wants so that we can get him off our fucking hair." You know. Yeah. So that was a lot of letters. That was a really cool. Yeah. So that was that was so good. I mean, he's got a lot of patience. I keep telling you, man, crazy. Um, maybe this guy should write like the next Game of Thrones. <laughs> maybe he's got some patience he he can do it um oh man i mean there's so much that that we can just continue to say about this movie it's definitely worth a watch and i think it it completely holds up uh really uh, really well you know i have a mixed emotion about the warden killing himself one in one way good fucking riddance right but in another way, I'm kind of like, man, you know, I'm always down for people learning lessons, right? Yeah. So I feel like, damn, he didn't get a chance to learn his freaking lesson. Or maybe he did. Maybe right at the moment because he had the gun pointed to the door waiting for them to bust in. And then there was a moment of clarity where he's like, you know what? Nah. And then he kills him. You know, he turns the gun on himself. So maybe there was a moment where he's like... Mm, I think I just learned my lesson or at least, oh, I really fucked up. You know what I mean? And there's no getting out of this. Um, But I'm still kind of like, man, you know, poetic justice would have been his ass beat thrown in Shawshank, you know, with all the people who are still there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maybe he gets beat there by like everybody else, you know. Um, I do kind of recall like uh, another moment I really loved and, you know, we were kind of talking about like whose movie is this, whose perspective is is this. I love the point where they realize that Dufresne is not in his cell and the warden goes down. They're like, I want to talk to his buddy too. Which guy? This guy. And 
Morgan Freeman's like, what the hell just happened? And why did I just get, uh, you know, singled out? <laughs> and like Morgan Freeman's face the entire time, obviously he wasn't in on it. So he's just as clueless as everyone else. But this is where like, I also, especially like the warden, where he's like saying all, all of this shit, like, uh, oh, well, did he just f- turn into a bird and fly out? Like, I, I'm, you know, paraphrasing all of this. And then He's like, oh, maybe I should talk to the poster. You know, do you know where he is? And then like throws the rock. And then that's when it's revealed like, holy shit, there's a big old tunnel right behind that poster. I just love the warden in that scene too. Because he was starting to go like, that was my money that just escaped. You guys let my money walk out that door. Right. Exactly. Um, I love the buildup for that scene because how they're playing it with Red thinking Andy's like in a different place. After the kid was killed, he's been in the hole for two months. What, what, what's his, you know, I think Red's really worried about the mind state that Andy's in. And then to find out that he got a piece of rope from right. Haywood yeah. and, and, and that just that conversation he had with him. And, and so I love how, and this is where Daramont, Daramont did a really that great job of setting, setting us as the audience. We're watching this going like, what the fuck is, is he gonna, is this a downer? Is he gonna take his knife or whatever? It's gonna be like Brooks. Um, but that's what Red was thinking and it, and everything, all the clues were set up for him to think that way. Do you know what I mean? But Andy wasn't telling him I'm giving up on life. He's telling him I still have hope <laughs> and, you know, do, do that big favor for me and go to that like random rock in the bowl on the wall and, <laughs> and, and pick up what's buried in there. Right. <laughs> but the thing is that like they beat like each step of the way with the warden coming out with them, not finding like Andy, but even to the buildup of like. Actually, not even that. When the guard is doing the count and he goes into the cell, he's like, basically, holy shit or whatever he says. You know, Red's thinking, Andy's dead. He mm-hmm. took himself out. And up until when he finds out that he's gone. You know what I mean? So that's like, that was a really cool kind of like, they don't have to be super suspenseful, but at least keep the audience guessing as to what the fuck is going on here. Because I didn't think he dug, you know, when I first watched this, I'm like, I didn't think he dug a tunnel basically in 20 years. Well, because they tell us it's going to take like 600 right, years, yeah, right? But, that's, right. but yeah. Red told us that. Right, right. Red didn't say shit. <laughs> so, and Andy's the guy who calculates everything, you know? So, it's so it was, it was, that was so good. To shout out uh, Frank Darabont again, um, I think the thing that uh, makes this story so solid and also the first season of Walking Dead so solid is that we're getting like humanizing of things that we normally wouldn't think of humanizing. There's always this kind of tropey or stereotype associated with these things that Frank is portraying. Like what the subject matter that he's portraying is often told in a stereotype, you know? So he's giving human, you know, giving a human perspective and human reaction to things that we would normally see as a stereotype. And I think that's where uh, the genius comes in, in terms of this storytelling and the direction that Frank Darabont went. I agree. I agree. So good. Uh, Mariano, you got anything else to add and maybe we'll wrap this up. No, I think that's it, man. That's uh, pretty much covers th- what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we, uh, I think we can agree that it's all. Uh, you know, we all recommend this movie. You know, if it's been some years, go back and watch it again. It, it was, it was a lot of fun uh, to watch and just kind of look at the details, see what's going on, try to listen to the words being spoken, just seeing how calculated Andy Dufresne was. I, I really, I mean, damn, I watched it. Tw- I don't usually watch a movie twice for a review, but I mean. This and the last one I did was uh, Always Be My Baby. I think I watched twice and it came out like the day of we recorded. But on, you know, what we do is uh, we pull up the reviews on a couple different sites and we discuss, you know, which one do we agree with. They're really close. IMDb has has it 9.3 out of 10 and it's uh, fresh on Rotten Tomatoes at 90%. So it's right there. Right. And I don't have any beef with either of <laughs> I think that's accurate. If not a 10, I would yeah. give it definitely yeah. the lowest in 9.5. Absolutely. The only, I think the only reason I wouldn't give it a 10 is because I don't know if I want to give anything a 10. Do you know what I mean? Because then where's the room for improvement on anything? Because But this is the closest thing. One of the closest films to a 10, and there are a few in my mind that are... Um, Godfather. My favorite movies. Godfather. You know? Yeah. 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 And even some smaller ones. You know, like for me, my favorite film is Cinema Paradiso, which to me is almost basically close to a 10. Um, and uh, also uh, City of God, which is another one to me. And one's Italian, one's uh, Brazilian. And those all have, I think, 
not necessarily similar elements, but they all they all of these films, including Shawshank Redemption, have a great character study. They have a they have a way to kind of get into the the characters almost like you're experiencing what they experience, but in a very realistic in a very realistic way. In like just a like a everyday kind of way in the in the acting and directing and everything just tends to be like phenomenal. And that's how how those films are. So I, I don't know if I can give anything a ten, but I mean God, I would nine point seven five. I mean like yeah. you know what I mean? Just so that it's not a ten and I can say, well there's still room for improvement. But yeah, nine point five, nine point seven five, that's that's all I the praise. way around. Yeah, we, yeah. we praise this movie. Yeah, I, I think it's a near-perfect movie. Uh, I, I guess mm, Google is actually telling me that it's two hours and 22 minutes. So I might have... Um, the, the the one I watched on demand might have been abbreviated, which was still like two and a quarter. Uh, so basically, I probably didn't miss anything. Um, yeah, not, not too much, but I'm still... I, I'm, I'm probably going to watch this again like in the near future. Uh, this time... You know, without any interruptions on the Blu-ray and see if there's any special features because I kind of fell back in love with this movie again. I, I forgot how much I really liked it. Um, in the back of my mind, I always knew that this was one of my favorites. But damn, now as a podcaster, I probably haven't seen it like, in, you know, in the years since I've been a podcaster. But now I'm just like, damn, it, it is pretty damn good. Right? Yeah, it's so solid. Super solid, like, um, and I was as we were talking about um past movies, I was thinking, is there any or or rather we were talking about ranking movies, and I was thinking, is there any movie that is really old that I loved back in the day that I still love? I was like legitimately trying to think of it as we we're talking it out, and I still don't have an answer. Well, it would have to be like the Godfather, yeah, oh, absolutely. one and two I mean that, that kind yeah. of exactly one and two that's solid filmmaking from beginning to end kind of you know what i mean and yes so yeah but but there's a few there's few far in between where you're like oh my god i feel this 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 way about it back in the day when it came out and now i still feel the same way you know right exactly did you get all like misty eyed um towards the end peter it was you know what i was sitting there and go man this is a happy ass ending and i just loved it i think i was just more happy for the way it ended than getting the feels i think you know because mm-hmm. nobody died red is free and he got to see andy again and they had a, you know the big hug and everything just might have been wrapped up too nicely i think but it's fine like I, it's a stephen king movie just it could have been worse right and, and he could have right. been found dead <laughs> you know like i don't know <laughs> His skeleton stro- uh, strode across that boat red where have you been i've been waiting for you <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> red oh, red red shows up uh andy andy dies by some freak boat cleaning accident and then they blame him for it and they put red in jail in mexico back to shawshank oh, there's like a wilson volleyball next to him for no reason <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's uh that's shawshank redemption uh we all loved it uh allegra where can listeners uh find your show and maybe some of the coverages you guys do if they want to hear more of you too so Mariano and I cover a shitload of things on TV. Ate my brain. Our next go round, we've been on a little bit of break. The fi- the last thing we did was um the season three finale of Snowfall. Which if y'all are not watching Snowfall, what are you doing, listeners? What are you doing? Like, what do I need to do? <laughs> hey, you guys sound like me when Cobra Kai came out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and we saw season one. Yeah, we saw go. season one. We sure did. Someone it, on this podcast today has wink? seen season one of uh, Snowfall. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's on yeah. Hulu. Okay, all right. Season on one and two on Hulu. Hulu. Duly noted. I mean, I would <laughs> even go so far as to say skip the wire since now it's like Whoa. passe Whoa. and just watch Snowfall. Okay, I will say that <laughs> I'll, I'll ditto Allegra here reluctantly. Oh, I reluctantly agree with Allegra. All right. Okay. Wow. Have Have either of you seen Barry on HBO? Yes. Not yet, and I really want to yes. watch it. I saw season one. I'm waiting for Labor to watch season one so I can watch season two. But Barry is really good. It's only 30 minutes a show. Okay. So yeah. watch that. Uh, which one first, Barry or uh, Snowfall? Ooh. I, see, I don't. You can answer that, Mariana. Um, I would say that, I mean, depending on time, if you don't have a lot of time, Barry, just because it's easier and, and faster to watch, mm-hmm. it's still good. And if you really want to dig in, Snowfall, I mean, just because it's, man, you know, Okay, doing the rewatch for this kind of on a tangent here, but the, doing the rewatch of uh, Breaking Bad, I almost feel like Breaking Bad in my mind may be slightly better than The Wire. But then you know, I watch The Wire, I'm like, oh, The Wire is really I good. Got or this whatever. on recording. But there, yeah, but there is, 
there is a the last season of of the wire to me wasn't the strongest it wasn't terrible but it wasn't the strongest um the way they ended it i didn't really care for it compared to i think breaking bad at least had the what is it five seasons right peter yes. uh, five season like a five season five plan a, five b yeah yeah yep. so five season plan where they had beginning to end and ended it like really well or did they? Because we have a film coming out soon. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Peter and I will be covering yes. on Postalgic. Yeah. So um, back to anyway. what I was... Uh... So real quick, I would say... <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go <laughs> ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go I'm ahead. Go ahead. I told you, tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You were um, going off in a tangent within your tangent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this is like an Inception tangent. She, she didn't um, hear the Time Cop episode, did she? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, clearly. <laughs> um, but real quick, but I feel like Snowfall so far, three seasons in... Is given a show like like Breaking Bad a run for its money. It's given pretty much all. It's up there right now for me mm. in all all shows. My favorite show of all time is The Leftovers. Um, but again, I put Breaking Bad up up there. You know, like uh, uh, Justified. I put it Justified up there. The Americans. You know, all those shows to me are like top tier shows. And Snowfall is up there. And I would say that if season one sli- has a slight misstep here and there maybe a little clunky at a couple of times season two kills it okay yeah just brings you back so you know i mean i, I can say enough uh about bring about snowfall plus r.i.p john singleton gone too yes. soon oh no that's yes. right did, did he uh create the show or yeah yeah that was oh, his baby damn. basically yep. yeah oh, and it has like his you can tell you know and it's in south central isn't south central it's in compton i mean it's like it's in there man right right, right. It, it's his yeah. it's the singleton verse Right. Yep, much, yep. right. Mm-hmm. It's so gritty and real, man. It's mm. so good. So yeah, I think that again, skip the wire, go to Snowfall, and I think you'll be solid. Okay. Um so with that said, uh Mariano and I have been in a little bit of a lull, but we're gonna be jumping back in when um uh what's the robot have coming up? Mr. Robot. That's the next thing coming and up. And then Watchmen, which we're looking forward really to. looking forward to also his dark materials which is a little further along and right. the man in the high castle that's december yeah so we yeah, yeah we'll yeah we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be back on that on that route yeah right it'll be fun yeah it'll be fuck joe again <laughs> pretty much <laughs> for the man in the high castle i'm sure i'd laugh too if i knew the reference <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> at um, least there's one cobra kai uh, uh follower who knows <laughs> That's right. We're talking about you know you just mentioned <laughs> the word lull. There's an episode in season two called Lull, uh, in Cobra Kai. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where you'll see both Mariano and I. Um, actually, that's where we kind of get our silliest is TV ate my brain. Um, where we become a little bit more serious is with um, History of Color. A monthly podcast. It's usually about 30 minutes unless we're doing interviews of people. A uh, 30 minute clip of um, people um, of color and underrepresented groups that contributed to American history. And I think um, history gets a bad rap in our country. I really feel like it's super important. And I also think that when you're telling history from a perspective that's not a cisgendered, heterosexual white man, then it becomes much more interesting. <laughs> and that's why you're on this show, because it's a period movie and you were our historian. <laughs> <laughs> even though I didn't even contribute any type of history. Um, well, so, you know the 40s happened and the 50s. And the <laughs> there you go. I mean, okay, here's my history, little yeah, history go. plug. Yeah. Art Deco, that was the 40s. That looks right. Um, <laughs> that's one of my favorite eras of style and, and design. Um, so anyway... Check us out, History of Color, TV Ate My Brain, all the things. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And you can find me on Twitter at Papa Elefante. That's at P-A-P-A-E-L-E-F-A-N-T-E. And uh, you can also catch Allegra on a soon come episode of Music Ate My Brain discussing top three breakup breakup songs. songs? Ooh. Dot, dot, dot. I'm going to have to send in feedback. Yes, please. Yes, you do. It's already been called out. So you're getting called out right now. All right. (laughs) <laughs> um, one more tangent, and, and uh, I will end with my contacts. Uh, I, I, you know, we were talking about history, and you know, we keep referencing little touches in Shawshank Redemption. Uh, another point I liked is when uh, Andy goes to Red while they're watching the movie, and he's asking for Rita Hayworth, and Red's mm-hmm. like, "Hold, hold on, hold on." She does the thing with the hair, and, you know, she does like the hair flip, and all the men go wild. Right, you know, it just right. shows like how much time has changed. Because even right. at that point, uh, at that point, I can appreciate what they were probably feeling. Like, oh man, this is like <laughs> the most action we've gotten is just hair flip. 
Right. Right. <laughs> she flipped the shit out of that yeah, hair, too. <laughs> All right. For uh, for me, you can uh, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Paulstalgic. I also host Cobra Kai Companion, where we review the episodes there. And also, uh, we've gotten, what, 33 interviews with cast members from the show and some from the Karate Kid movies uh, as well. And that can be found uh, on Twitter at Cobra Kai Pod and Cobra Kai Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Um, so that's going to do it. Next episode will be another anniversary, I'm sure. And then not too long after that will be El Camino. So yeah, El Camino. Check that out. Uh, it sounds like Mariano's doing a uh, rewatch, so he'll have all the details. And um, I'll see what I can do. I, I, I hope to at least watch that last season. Uh, yeah, I say do that, yeah. yeah so I, I would, that's, that's I what I hope so. to do, at least do. Uh, so they'll do it. Uh, I want to thank everybody for you guys' continued support, even when we disappear for extended period of time, I guess. But um, yeah, we, we do appreciate you guys still listening. And uh, I guess until the next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. I got a feeling of the blues, oh Lord, since my baby said goodbye. Lord, I don't know what I'll do. All I do is sit and sigh. Oh, Lord, that last long day she said goodbye. Well, Lord, I thought... Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.